good morning, everybody. Good to see you and uh, good good group today and good to have you with us. Um, just in case you're here and you're here to see the donkey, he's across the street. You're at the wrong church. And I don't know if you came in this morning. I'm not kidding. There was a real donkey across the Episcopal Church. And AJ, we've got to figure that out, how to get a donkey in our service somehow. We've got to do that. I'm all for it. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> he was... He was ready to go. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 11 through 13, fourth in our series on John, studying from John's gospel, and God ordered this so that we would have talked about miracles, and now we're going to preach about miracles. And we're going to preach about two of the greatest miracles that there are at Christmas, not the only two, and certainly in the Parker family, uh, a, a, a miracles that are even beyond what I discussed today, but two of the greatest miracles that have changed the course of events in our history. Um, John chapter 1, verses 12. I'm going to read 11 through 13 because I want you to hear that again. In verse 11, John writes, He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. God, thank you for your word. I pray you'll speak its truth clearly to us today. In Jesus' name, I ask, amen. Um, I want you to be reminded of some of these great miracles at Christmas that we have and some of the things that really have changed the course of what John talks about. You've been with us, and John speaks of the birth of Jesus from an eternal perspective. He doesn't talk about the manger. He doesn't, you know, we've been, we've been talking about Christmas for three weeks now, and we've not mentioned a manger. We've not mentioned angels or the virgin birth or the shepherds, we'll, we'll talk about them next week. But John tells us about who Jesus is. And he gives us very important pictures. And I'm, I'm going to put it back because I want you to, to be aware of this. That we need to know these things about Christ. That he is eternal. He has been since there was no since. He has been. It's eternal. And if you ever start trying to think what eternal is, you just get lost. It's so vast. He's in eternal fellowship with God. And so he is, he is distinct from God in personality, but he is also God. So just accept that. That's a concept that we got to get. He's the creator and sustainer of everything. And so Christ, we, we celebrate a baby. We have, we, we had a manger here, but we will have a manger tonight, a little manger. Christ came to earth as a little baby, but he's the creator and sustainer of the universe. And that's, that just boggles my mind. He is the light of the world. Those are the things that John has taught us already. And now we're going to see some things that Christ did. And that he, first of all, he he dispelled darkness with his light. Because he is God, he dispelled, he pushed darkness out with his light. And, and then he serves as the light to everybody. He is our light, personally. And so that's what Christ did. We're going to add to this list of what Christ did and and uh, this week and next week and you'll keep doing that. So I I want to look at this. I'm going to jump right into it. Three three things I want to talk to you about. First two points are kind of short, 
the last one is where I want to want to spend a little time with you. The first thing I want to go back and recall to you um, an unbelievable reaction to to Jesus. And Paul says, or John says, that when Jesus came into the world, he's very clear to us that when he came into the world, the world was created through him, yet the world did not recognize him. So the world did not see Jesus as who he was. And we know that. We we read that in the Bible. We have the accounts of the Gospels. We know how Jesus was received. And I think an even greater tragedy than, than the fact that the world didn't see him was in verse 12 or in verse 11. And he came to his own people. And his own people did not receive him. So even the people that should have known about him, that had heard about him, that were waiting on him, he was such a startling difference from what they expected, <laughs> they they rejected him. You know, if you go back to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah wrote this prophecy in chapter 53. He wrote it to the people of Israel. And listen to this. Listen to the depth of the rejection. He says, um, he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. Speaking of Jesus now, he had no form or splendor that we should look at him, no appearance that we should desire him. Listen, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like one people turned away from him. They, I mean, Jesus was just, there was nothing remarkable about him. He was despised and we didn't value him. Can you imagine that God sent the creator of the world, he sent Jesus, sent his son who would bear the sins of all mankind, be the savior of all humanity, and he was despised in the world. And that's that's a great loss. And so I, I want I want you to be aware of that because, and you said, well, Jim, you talked about it last week. I did talk about it last week, but it's, it's so important because it's so easy for us today to not see who he is, to know about him, to learn about him, to read about him. Hear about him and do nothing about it. And and there are people that that can hear and read the scriptures and read these great things and they just say, oh yeah, whatever, what's for lunch? And and I think we all need to step back. Um, Arzell said that. Don't don't let the season get by and not know what it's about. Don't don't get back and don't don't celebrate Christ for who he is. Don't don't just celebrate the things that you have and the things that you do and your family and those great things that we enjoy. But step back and see Christ for who he is and and know that and and celebrate that. It's it's a great thing. So that's I, I just want to I just want to set that with you. Dr. Ironside, a great Bible teacher, said that his he and his wife went to the Holy Land. And when they went to the Holy Land, said his wife started crying. They were walking down the streets of Nazareth and and she started weeping. And and, and he said, what's wrong? Are you sick? And she said, no, I'm just thinking that Jesus grew up here in this dirty city with the smells here and the poverty and the sickness and, and the world didn't even pay attention to him. What, what a tragedy that is. And, and I think it's an even greater tragedy that we miss it. But we settle with that. I want to move on. Miracle number one. By simple faith, we're adopted into God's family. You got, you, you know, we, we stop and, and this is one of the things, um, I've been thankful that I haven't been in a rush to get, you probably noticed I'm on 11 verses with four sermons. I haven't been in a rush to get through this. I, I want to be, I want to be at verse 14 next week, but, 
But more importantly, I've stopped and looked at these passages of scriptures because we preachers, we are always in a hurry. We do verses one through four and we cover those pretty thoroughly and we want to get down to verses 14 through 18 and we miss, we miss the power and the miracle of verses 11 and 12 and 12 and 13. To all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. That's a miracle because one of the blessings of Christ is that when he came into the world, he gave us a right to be adopted, to be children of God. I don't know if you fully comprehend that. I don't fully comprehend that. I've heard being adopted as a child of God all my life. Paul writes in Galatians, and when we preached about this, uh, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law. To redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So when Christ came into the world, the capability for man who had been separated by darkness, who had been separated by sin, been separated by all the things that, that we do and our, our, just our nature by God, Christ brought into the world the ability to reconcile us, to bring us into God's family as his children to be adopted. As his child. Isn't that amazing, church? It's just amazing. God did that for us. If you are a believer in Christ today, to all who did receive him, he gave them the right. You know, we know our rights, don't we? we we're proud of our rights. We're Americans. We know that we have a Bill of Rights. I will tell you that the right to be a child of God is far better than anything America could ever bestow on you. It's the greatest thing that could happen. That God... God took us, he took me, you don't know me, I know me, I can tell you that is a miracle, that God took me from being where I was to making me a child of God. That's an amazing thing. That's what he did. And you know, I, I'm not even going to speak of, of what adoption meant in Jewish society because it, it, it brought the rights. You were an heir. You, you inherited the fortune of your parents. And, but, but I want to tell you, if, if you, if you're a parent and you adopt a child, you love that child just like your own. I mean, if somebody ever came up to you and said, is that child yours? You would say, of course he's mine. Of course she's mine. You would be angry about it. And, and the Bible teaches us that if you love your children that way, how much more does God love you? How much more is an adoption as, a, as God's child? How much more valuable it is to us? I, I know some folks are sitting around thinking Christmas is dark. Christmas is lonely. Christmas is sad. I want you to recognize God has made you an adopted son or daughter of him through Christ. That's a great miracle of Christmas. And he did it. He did it out of his love. He didn't do it for any other reason. There was no profit in it for God. He did it for you and me. Number two. Number three. Faith. Faith brings us a new start for flawed people. And listen, you gotta hear the rest of this. You gotta be very careful with it. John, John has powerful language here. So I, I, I want you to, I want you to remember John is a fisherman. Before Christ called him, he fished on the Sea of Galilee. And listen to what he wrote. Listen to these words. Power in them. He says, he gave them the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but born of God. That's what, 
So, so number two, we get a new birth. We get a new birth because of our faith in God. But for those who believe in his name, for those who believe in his name, I, I wrote down some things, AJ and I were talking this week, and I wrote down some things that I've heard. I jotted these down. I want to share them with you. These are some things that people believe about Jesus. I believe in Jesus, but but nobody can really be sure. Have you ever heard that? I've heard that. I think he's a good guy, a wise guy, a wise teacher. I don't know if he's all everybody says he is. I believe most of the things about Jesus. Just don't know if I can accept the idea that he rose from the dead. Well, let me tell you. If you can't accept the fact that he rose from the dead, you don't believe in Jesus. I'll just tell you that right front. I think he's real. I've heard about him all my life, but I just don't go to church right now. I'm going to tell you, if God is real in your life, if you believe what he says about it, you will be in God's people worshiping. You will be serving him where he called you because you will know who he is. This is one of my favorites. I believe in Jesus, but there is a difference between the Jesus of the Bible and the historical Jesus. I won't even, I just won't get it. I could talk the whole morning about that one. I, I had to read a book in seminary by this guy that believed in nothing in the Bible about Jesus. I don't know what I believe about Jesus, but I just don't think that Bible stuff has a lot of relevance in my life. Here's a very dangerous one. I believe in Jesus, but there are other ways to heaven. Again, if you believe in Jesus, there are no other ways to heaven. He said he's very exclusive. He is the single way, the truth, and the light. John will tell us that too. AJ added this one, and and the more I think about it, it's really good. He says, I believe in Jesus. I just don't like all the stuff Paul added to Jesus. That's not what AJ believes, by the way. It's just, he heard that. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I want to tell you that. <laughs> but you know, it is really important, our perception of Jesus and what we believe. And in the Bible, when Jesus was with us, he had the same problem. Because in John chapter 7, and I want to show you that. Um, in John chapter 7, verse 12, um, he said that. John writes... He says, and there was a lot of discussion about him, that is Jesus, among the crowds. Some were saying he's a good man. Others were saying no, on the contrary, he's deceiving the people. And nobody was talking publicly about him because they feared the Jews. So even when Jesus walked on the earth, there was a lot of confusion about him. What does it mean to believe in his name? It means, and and let me just tell you this. If you say, I believe in Jesus, but you always have some diminished view of Jesus. It's always, it's not quite where it needs to be. But the idea that you believe in what the Bible says about Jesus, that you believe in him, and John lays that out. He tells us what it's not. He says that believing our faith in Jesus is not our heritage or our blood. It's not obtainable through inheritance. Uh, I cannot, by my faith, bring my children into the family of God. I can't do that. You cannot depend on the faith of your parents. Your parents, regardless how much they love Christ and how much they have served him, they cannot bring you into heaven. They cannot bring you into a personal relationship with God. Can't be done by the blood. You can't, you can't do it by inheritance. So, so it's not something we can't say, well, I bring my children to church with me and they joined the church when they didn't know anything about it and now they're covered. They're, they've got them a ticket and they're good. That is not a biblical concept of faith. You can't do it. 
that way. Paul says, or John says that you cannot do it by the will of the flesh. You can't make yourself get, you can't wake up one morning and say, oh, I'm going to clean up my life now. I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to follow God. The work of God is intentional. It is pre Ordered, God works in your life. He begins to change you. He gives you everything about your belief, including your faith. And so you can't do it on your own. You just can't do it. A lot of people think they can, uh, but you can't do it. They, you, you can't say, well, I'm, I'm going to sin up to this point, and then next week I'm going to turn things over. It would be the same if I decided, um, well, I'll go to the next point, um, the, the will of man, that's one. We can't do that. The will of the flesh, the will of man. Uh, nobody can do this. I can't wake up one morning and say, well, I think I'm going to be a Marine today. And I go down to the Army-Navy store and buy me a Marine uniform. Wouldn't, wouldn't work, would it, Wayne? And put my Marine uniform on. You would know I'm not a Marine. I will tell you. I promise you, you would know that. I could tell you I'm a Marine. I would not be one. In fact, I would be committing a crime by doing that. And if I put valorous awards on my uniform, I would be committing a felony. You can't do stuff like that. You just can't, by your own will, of your own flesh, decide that you're going to do something. The same way here. You can't be saved on your own. You can only be saved, John tells us, of God. It's of God. Not of the will Not of blood or the will or the flesh or the will of man, but of God. That's how you're done. And let me tell you two things that you need to know. We, we have to, we have to trust God, the biblical faith in God. AJ and I, when we were talking about this, he said that when he, up to the time he was in high school, he said, I could share this with you because I think it's a very good example. He said up, up until the time of high school, he believed in Jesus enough that he got himself out of going to hell. That was a good reason to believe in Christ. But then you said you recognized in high school that he needed to be Lord of your life. He needed to be Lord of your life. And the Bible would tell us that what happened is that A.J.'s faith changed his life to the point that he realized that Christ wanted to be in charge of his life. It wasn't something he woke up and decided to do one day. God did that. I looked through the Bible this week and I found several things about our faith, of what believing means. It means depending on God. If you believe in Jesus, you depend on God. You trust him. Jesus said in Matthew 18 that we got to come to him like little children. We have to, we can't come to him as an adult, knowing everything, bargaining with God, choosing to say what we want to choose. We have to come to him, eyes up, arms up. Lord, I'm helpless without you. We have to depend on God. And we have to, we have to be obedient. Jesus said if we love him, we will obey him. God will naturally bring us to obedience. That's part of the process. It involves a commitment. You can't say, well, I'm, I'm going to believe in Jesus, but I'm going to live and go do the things I want to all week. I'll come to church and do the church thing, and then I'm going to walk out of here, and I'm going to be on my own. It's commitment. You're involved. You're, you're, you're depending on God. It involves loving Christ. And I, in my life, I find the longer that I walk with God, the more I love him. Now, that doesn't happen. Overnight, and, and some of you are probably thinking, you know, I just don't love Jesus that much. I mean, I know you don't want to admit that, 
No, we wouldn't want to come to church and admit that. But I think, I think when you love Christ the way you love your wife or that you love your parents or you love your children, you're, you're starting to understand what love is. And we just don't do that overnight. And I think it means a relationship. The Bible teaches that it's a relationship. It's a walk. It's believing in Christ is, is a walk. So all of these things, and you're probably saying, Jim, I'm so confused because the Bible says simply, John 3.16, that says, whoever, and I love the King James Version, whosoever believes in his name will, will have eternal life. That's a promise. So, so let me, let me make it easy for you. Is your faith enough to get all that done? In, in Noah's day, saving faith was enough faith to get on the ark, to come to the ark. If you were in Noah's day, you trusted God enough to get on the ark. In this day, in modern day, saving faith is enough faith to come to the cross. How about that? And you turn it all over to him. And you say, Lord, I believe you that you can do what you say you do. I trust you with my life, and I'm going to let you do the work. All those other things that I talked about, commitment and love and relationship and obedience, those are things that God works in your life. You provide the faith. You step forward. You come forward and say, Lord, I believe in Jesus of the Bible, what he says he is, who he says he is, that he is capable of making me an adopted child, that he can save me, not by my will or my effort or my time or my input, but entirely on God. That is a miracle, church, that God will do that for you. And he does it for me. That's what, that's what he says. That's what he promises for us. Who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. So with a new birth, with that faith comes a new spirit, a new desire, new likes and dislikes, new priorities. All of those things grow out of our faith with God. I don't want you to be confused. I don't want you to leave out here. The preacher laid such a heavy burden on us that we have to do all this stuff to believe in Jesus. No, you don't. The miracle of Christmas is you don't have to do any of it except believe. Believe who he is, trust him, give him your life, and let him do what he, what he will do in your life. He, and I'm going to tell you, he'll change your life. He'll radically change your life to be born of God. And, and so we have two miracles. And even with what we saw with Grayson, what a, what a great, what a miracle, what a great, what a great effort by God. God, I don't know how that happened. Nobody can explain that. Paul, Paul and Michelle can't explain that. His grandparents can't explain it. There's no explanation. The doctors, the hospital can't explain it. God just did it. He did that. That's what he does. But I will tell you that he has done, he has adopted. If you have trusted Christ, if you believe in him, if you have given your life to him, he has made you an adopted son or daughter of him today, effective whenever it was done throughout eternity. You will never be separated from him. And he has given you a new birth, a new life in his spirit. That is a great miracle also. Church, I don't want you to miss that. I don't want you to miss that. I'm, I'm going to close with, I, I think, one of my favorite scriptures. I can't, I, I just always look for reasons to go back to this scripture because... Because you, you need to, if you don't like this scripture, you ought to. And um, I'm going to tell you something. I didn't like it till a few years ago. And God kind of opened my eyes to it. 
And every time I read it, I just get overwhelmed by it because I can't. I, this is this is what the new birth does. This is what he did. Now, Paul, in his, we, we kind of change from John. John's pretty straightforward. He's pretty upfront. He writes he writes right from the heart. Paul writes from his mind. He doesn't. He doesn't mince any punches. Listen to what he says in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heaven in Christ. That's, that's how he starts. So if you are a believer today in Jesus, this is what he has done because of your adoption into his family and because of your new birth from your belief. This is what he has done. He has given you every spiritual blessing there is to have. Every spiritual blessing. I could, I may not be able to, a good preacher could preach all day on every spiritual blessing. There are hundreds of spiritual blessings. He's given every one of them to you. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless. This is where I want you to understand that before the earth was ever created, God set his eye on you. And said, I want you to be my son or daughter. Before the world was ever, you were, he made, he chose you to be holy and blameless before the foundation of the world. That's a long time ago. In love, we got that word we Baptists all run from. He predestined us to be adopted through Jesus Christ for himself according to his favor and will. Here's what I want you to hear. That God chose you. He predestined you. He had his eye on you to be adopted as his son or daughter. That's what he did. That's, that's a Merry Christmas there. That's, that's good stuff that God chose you to do that. According to the, his favor and will to the praise of his glorious grace that he favored upon us with the beloved. In him, in verse 7, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And and what I like about this, and Paul adds with all wisdom and understanding, you see God God knew, he understood, he is he he knows entirely who you are, who I am. He knows your heart. He knows everything about you. He knows all your thoughts. He knows all the things that are objectionable about you. And yet, in spite of that, because of his grace, he lavished on you. He lavished on us. He lavished on us the riches of his grace, the forgiveness of our trespasses. He knew who we were. He forgave us. He forgave us. And and not only that, he redeemed us. He bought us back. He purchased us. That's... That's, that's the benefit of being an adopted son or daughter of Christ. And then down to verse 11. In him, we were also made his inheritance. Predestined according to the purpose of the one who works out everything in agreement with the decision of his will. So we were, we, we're part of, we're part of his inheritance. We're, we're part of what Christ came for. That's his purpose. You, you, it's very personal here today. So, I don't, I don't know where you are at Christmas time, and and these these are unconditional miracles. These these are available to all of his adopted sons and daughters. These are available to all of those that have been born in a new way. John's going to tell us all about being born again. I didn't stop and tell you all the things about that because he's going to make sure we understand that. But those two miracles that we are adopted and that we are born in a new way those are 
John's promises to us, miracles of Christmas. They're unconditional, regardless of what's going on in your life or how much you have materially or how little you have materially, regardless of whether your family is all gathered together or your family is not gathered together, whether you have loss and grief in your home or sickness and illness in your home, these are unconditional promises for you. Amen. This is a great Christmas in that way. I want you to know that on Christmas Day. I want you to know that this week. I want you to know that when you feel overwhelmed by grief. I want you to know that when you don't get the news of the doctor you want. Because Christ has provided for you. He loves you. He sought you out. He's made a plan for you. He's brought us real Christmas joy. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Let it pour over our hearts in ways that are far beyond what I'm able to say. Speak to us today. Speak to people that need to hear this. Encourage them. Build them up. Lord, fill our hearts with your joy that we may know what it's like to be your son and daughter. Thank you for what you've done today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.